The House of Cards season four premiere is over, but we are just getting started here on the House of Cards post show recap. And now here are the guys that are always having our notes spelled out phonetically. I'm Rob Sister and here's Zach Brooks. We're back, baby, again. Yeah, season four. All right. Yes. Yes, Man. boy, Zach Brooks. God damn, you're good with words. So I know I was I was going to ask you if you could tell me a story. Do you think that would be possible? <laughs> Happy to have you back here to talk about everything in season number four of House of Cards on Netflix, which dropped this Friday night. We're recording this on Friday night of said day uh, to have this out, and we are going to be going on a journey here through these next. 12 episodes following this here in season four. We are unspoiled. We have watched exactly one episode of season four, Zach. One episode down, 12 to go. Yes. How are you doing? Are you ready? You pumped up for this? I want to just go and binge the whole season, but I can't do that. We can't. We are going to be taking it one step at a time. We are going to record an episode. Then we are going to make it a podcast. We will never listen to more than one episode without recording. We may bunch up maybe two episodes in a podcast. We may, if nothing too much is going on, we may put two or three episodes together, but we will spend our time on the things that matter and try not to delve too much into the things that aren't that exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to be talking a lot about Claire and Frank, and uh, maybe not as much about Lucas, but we'll see. <laughs> Lucas is back. Don't bury the lead. Season two LVP Lucas is back. <laughs> no, he. I mean, he was on track maybe for an LVP, but at least he was sort of tangentially attached to the whole Zoe Barnes thing. I mean, he's arrested by episode five of season two, and that was the last time that we've seen him. He was not even mentioned in season three, but here he is back opening season four leading off wow with his new haircut with his new haircut so he's ready to go so we'll talk about the return of lucas the thing that i am trying to keep in mind as we're going through this that unlike many of the other shows which we talk about here on post show recaps normally there's a week in between so we can really take our time and really get into things because basically you're trying to pass the time in a week during your favorite show but here We understand that many of you guys just want to get back into the binge here and are nice enough to check us out as you are binging through this. So we may try to keep these a little bit shorter so you can get back into listening or watching the show. Yeah, much like uh, Frank Underwood's nightmares. We just want to want (laughs) to pop in, pop out real quick and take off our glasses. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to make sure that you're on board for all of this, you can subscribe to our House of Cards podcast feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash H-O-C iTunes. That's postshowrecaps.com slash H-O-C iTunes. And the best thing that you could do right now to help us out, if you're so inclined, is leave us a star rating or some feedback on our iTunes page. Helps more and more people find the show when so many people are going to be looking for House of Cards podcast right now. So we do greatly appreciate that. So let's start here with Frank and Claire. Zach, are you ready for maybe a long drawn out battle between Frank and Claire. I don't know how long and drawn out it's going to be. I mean, do you think this is going to be the whole season? Yes. Frank versus Claire. Yes. I think that's what we're being set up for. I look at the poster for season four of house of cards and it's Frank and Claire with each of them having like half of their face on the page. And I think that this is going to be the season of Frank versus Claire. Yeah, I mean, and the the end of the episode really kind of did point us in that direction with with Claire's mother telling her that she's stronger than Frank and she's got to put him in his place, really. Yeah. Really trying to get get her to stand up to him. Yeah, put him in his place. We heard Claire's mom tell Frank that you might live in the White House, but you are still white trash. Yeah, White House trash. <laughs> Oh, no. Why is she so down on Frank Underwood? I mean, now, let's be real here. Is Frank Underwood white trash? Not in my book of white trash. (laughs) Um, I think I could find a lot of other examples of that. I mean, Frank Underwood, for all of the things that you could say about him, white trash hardly seems like the right insult. 
Yeah, I mean, and and he went to the Sentinel. I mean, he went to a, a military academy. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, white white trash seems like it's kind of a low blow. Yeah, Claire's mom very elitist about the whole thing with uh, Frank Underwood, and he's the president, and she's very, very, still very down on him. So and, and was and was looking down on him too. I mean, did, I don't know if you noticed during the scene when she's on the stairs talking to him. Um, she's above him the whole time, and they're filming Frank kind of at a downward angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, she's in much more of a power position with the president of the United States. Yes. And so she also seems to have some power over her daughter, Claire, who has now run back to Texas. And while we had a time jump in between season one and two and two and three, we have almost no time jump whatsoever that we ended last season at the Iowa caucus. And now here we are at New Hampshire, which I believe was in the course of, I think it was like, uh, it's Tuesday to Tuesday. Yeah. It was only a couple days from each other. And I mean, um, they said at one point during this episode that she had only been gone for three days. Yeah. So not gone very long at all. Zach, did that surprise you that there was so little time in between season three and four? Yeah. I mean, I thought we were either going to get the moment after she walked out, there was going to be zero time off the clock at all. Or we were going to get a big jump and we just got kind of like a couple hours. Yeah. So. Claire goes back to Texas that she is basically going to go put herself into exile to get away from Frank and him and Doug are trying to hunt her down. And eventually that leads Doug back to Texas to figure out what's going on with her. Could you explain what happened with her mom? Claire's mom had cancer but she didn't want claire to know but doug knew yeah i was see i thought during all of that that they made that up and that was just a story they made up but then i did they, too. Sh- they show claire's mom's bedroom and there's the wig um sitting on the on the mannequin head and, and which is a pretty clear sign that she actually does have cancer um so somehow doug used his connections to to get that information i guess he must have seen when he was watching claire's mom you couldn't really tell at the time, but I guess she must have been walking out of a hospital or a doctor's office. I get the impression that at some point Claire's mom and maybe her parents said to her, hey, it's either us or him. And she chose Frank Underwood. Yeah, I, I definitely get that impression. And um, and I don't know if it's been spelled out in previous episodes, but her father, I don't think, is in the picture anymore. No, he's literally in the picture that's hanging over the fireplace. Yeah. So for Claire... She comes back to Texas with political aspirations. She wants to run for the Congress in the 30th district. What do you think of this plan that Claire has hatched? Um, I think it's, you know, she seems to have a path laid out. She wants to go Congress to governor to, you know, probably White House. And uh, it's a very similar path to the path that Frank took. And so she is on board for this. I mean, do you think this is this a realistic goal? Could Claire Underwood go from basically an outsider in the world of politics? She did hold a position at the U.N. Do you think does this seem like she could just jump in the game and then make her way to the White House in 15 years? I mean, you know, it's similar to Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I. I think it's definitely possible. She has a very good public image. People seem to love her. They loved her on the campaign trail. Um, you know, I, th- I could definitely see that being a realistic thing to happen. Now, I don't think it's going to happen like that. Nothing is ever as easy as, as people spell out on this show. And she is all set to go. She has befriended and is working with Leanne, a new character on the show, played by Nev Campbell. Zach, are you feeling Nev? Oh my God. Uh, middle school me was so happy when I saw Nev Campbell's name in the credits tonight. And then when she walked out, I was like, oh, she still got it. She still got Nev it. Campbell. Yeah. So is that basically her Doug Stamper? Yeah, I think that's a good way to set it up. And we saw the scene with Claire and uh, Leanne against Frank and Doug. That was an interesting scene. It was an interesting standoff and, and probably a sign of things to come. As you're watching all of this, are we supposed to be rooting for Claire to be able to get away from Frank? Or are we supposed to be rooting for Frank to get Claire to come back to him? I'm curious how other people are feeling about this. I, you know, I'm rooting for Frank um, and I'm rooting for them to be together because I think they're better together. Um, And I think Claire can have this political career that she seeks. It just not right this second. 
But for Claire, why should she have to wait? I mean, I think that's sort of the big debate that we were having at the end of last season. And I tried to go back and watch those last few episodes from season three and listen to the conversations that we were having at the time talking about those things. And I know that as a viewer, I feel like myself, it's like, okay, that why is she screwing everything up? Like Frank has all these other problems to deal with, but why are... Frank's needs more important than hers. If she does believe she could just break away now, go into the Congress, go into the governorship of Texas, then go on to the presidency. Does she need Frank to do all this? I mean, I don't think she necessarily needs him, but I do think it's easier if they can work together. And I think that they do have a, I don't, I don't think it's as one sided as Claire thinks it is. I think it is a partnership. Uh, and I think Frank after, I mean, you know, who knows what is enough for Frank, but once he finishes his second term as president, like where does he go from there? Would he be willing to just to be on Claire's side and help her reach her political aspirations? I mean, where's she going in four years? Like, you know, what's, where's the fire? What's the hurry? Well, ex-president is the best job. That's what everybody says. So you only be a president to be ex-president. Ex-president, you go everywhere. Everybody loves you. They still like treat you really classy. Nobody's mad at you anymore. So ex-president is ideally where you want to be. And even better than that is first gentleman. <laughs> is that even better? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, mm. first gentleman, you get some kind of cushy job, you know, in the administration or or running a, you know, running some some policy or nonprofit. I think it'd be pretty fun. For Claire Underwood, if she feels like that going into the Congress is ultimately what she wants to do, if she wants to go chase that dream, I, I can't see how just going back and being the doting first lady for four years would be a better gig for her than if she feels like that she could just take this Congress seat and finally, for the first time in her entire life, have a seat at the table. I don't know what Frank could sell her to make her want to go back to what she had once she sort of has her sights set on this other thing. Yeah. And I mean, maybe I, maybe I just don't think outside the box enough because I'm thinking like, well, it's never happened before that we've ever had a first lady who's also been serving in Congress or in the Senate. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that has happened in the past, but to my knowledge, <laughs> nothing like that. No, has I ever don't happened. believe that has happened where yeah. a president was married to a senator. I mean, if, if that's, I just don't know how that, how that would even a work. A sitting president is married to a senator. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all about her her getting her aspirations and and achieving what she wants to do. I just think it doesn't have to be one or the other. Why can't they work together? And do you think that they will be able to come to some sort of happy medium here with this, where she's going to be able to go out and try to run for Congress as Frank is also campaigning on his own political campaign? I mean, if the marketing materials for this season and kind of the way that this first episode. Uh, spelled things out. I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. We're seeing them on opposite sides a lot and, and facing off and um, really in, in adversarial roles. So I'd be surprised. And specifically, we see Frank Underwood have a dream. And in this dream, he is violently beating and potentially attempting to murder Claire and vice versa then she sort of like gets the upper hand on him and she's like driving her fingers into his eyes. What does that mean that President Underwood is dreaming of homicidal thoughts about Claire Underwood? I mean, that's where Frank turns when he doesn't know how to solve a situation. He's murdering somebody. And he might be seeing this as a very big vulnerability for him. I mean, not only is it the person who the public seems to like, but it's the person who knows a lot of his dark secrets and the things that he's done to get to where he wants to be. Uh, and, and, you know, I wonder if he's thinking that there might only be one way out of this situation if it gets really bad. Is this a potential Zoe Barnes situation? Are we on a collision course with a train that is marked for Claire Underwood? Because wouldn't Frank Underwood's life be so much easier right now if Claire just happened to be out of the picture? Yeah, but I just, it's not going to happen that easy. There's, there's no way, you know, Claire is the ultimate foil to Frank and um, we've talked about it a lot. So I could see an attempt happening, uh, which is one of those where it's like, if you come at me, if you best not miss. Um, and I have a feeling that 
whatever happens is going to be a miss and it's really going to set this this Claire versus Frank train into motion. Yeah. Now, Boy. did you see during the did you notice that during Frank's nightmare where he was murdering Claire, it was also cross cut with them. Um, there was some there was some kind of embracing going on, too. It was kind of cross cut with like a love scene and a and a fight. Mm hmm. So I'm curious if if he's, you know, maybe that was him struggling with this. Maybe it's him feeling like he still loves her, but he might have to kill her. Um, you know, what does he ha what does he have to do to get to get out of the situation versus what does he want to do? He is really having a tough time with this. And to complicate everything, a lot of Meacham in episode one, a lot of Meacham. And it does seem as though the sexual tension with Meacham is real in season four. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. We talked about in our season three podcasts that anytime there was a whiff of any sort of flirtation with a man in House of Cards, that Frank Underwood, we called it a check, I don't know, check off something. I forget what we called it. But, you know, once Frank Underwood, it's sort of there, he will act on that impulse before the end of the season. And I was expecting it to happen in this episode. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, Meacham is basically, I thought he was almost saying to Frank Underwood, like, hey, do you want me to sit with you? Do you want me to stay with you? And he's like, oh, that's all right. Well, he at first he asked him to stay with him. Yes. Keep me and then company, he fell asleep. Meacham. Yeah. And then, and then Meacham, you know, very, very tenderly removed his glasses. It was a nice moment. Yeah, you fell asleep wearing your glasses. And yeah. I also thought that Frank, I thought it was interesting that he was repeating the line he was saying to the baby when he was campaigning. He said to himself under his breath, aren't you a cutie and was he talking about Meacham or was he replaying the scene with the baby I I took that as that he was kind of mocking the way he is in public because they showed it on TV and he goes oh well aren't you a cutie and like was kind of making fun of this this public Frank that's out there <laughs> that wasn't a pickup line I mean it could you know maybe maybe it was kind of two for one deal Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so many big things from the premiere to talk about. Um, let's talk about Frank versus his new political opponent. Okay. First, we have Frank versus Dunbar. This is still ongoing. There is the New Hampshire primary happening, all these different primaries that we are at right now. It seems like we are about a month and a half behind where we are currently right now. So very topical in terms of everything going on, but we finally got to see a new Republican presumptive front runner. Somebody is running away with everything on the Republican side. And last season, it, that person was, I guess we thought it was going to be Mendoza who appeared in four episodes and then vanished much like <laughs> Lucas in season two. But Mendoza, we thought was going to be the Republican nominee. And then they sort of dropped that storyline. And here is a new guy, Conway. Zach, are you team Conway? I mean, we only got a very brief look at Conway, but he's the I caught that he was the former governor of New York or, or maybe he's the current governor of New York. But um, he comes from from the, uh, the Big Apple. So good for Conway. He seems like he's he's a young up and comer. So Conway is played by Joel Kinnaman. Are you familiar with any of the works of Mr. Kinnaman? Yeah, so I saw his name in the credits, too, and um, I did recognize his name from the not that great show from AMC, The Killing. The Killing? Did you, yes. Yeah, did you, did you ever watch that show? No, I didn't watch The Killing, but I did watch him as the main figure in the RoboCop reboot. Oh, yeah, he was in the RoboCop. And there's a post-show recap of that somewhere. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. <laughs> Go back in the archives and find that one. So Joel Kinnaman, look at this guy. So he is the young, good-looking Republican that has a ton of support right now. He is a superstar on the Republican side of the aisle. Interesting choice to go with, I think, to have Frank battle a younger white guy from the Republican side. Yeah, it's no Samuel L. Jackson, but uh, I guess I'll take it. Yeah, they didn't really go too far outside of the box here. And again, I think that it would have been so much better if they could have gotten Donald Trump to actually be the person <laughs> battling Frank Underwood. I mean, this would be the greatest season of television of all time. Underwood versus Trump. Yeah, we'd get to hear all about their manhood. You know, <laughs> who's as who's as bigger, who's as smaller. It'd just be great. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. And yeah. if 
also, I think it would be even more incredible if we could also get Donald Trump to also be breaking the fourth wall in that season. That would really be uh, fantastic. But alas, uh, we're going to go with a much more traditional uh, Joel Kinnaman as uh, Conway. You know, it was funny in the season three podcast that we did for episode 11 when they have the debate. We were talking about how everything that was going on in the debate was so exciting. And you said like, wow. This was so much more interesting than the debates that happen in real life. <laughs> oh man, wow. If what what do I know? <laughs> yeah, if 2015 Zach Brooks only knew. <laughs> <laughs> One year later, I'm going to go back in time and, and just play some YouTube clips for myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, you you're completely wrong. There these debates get hot and heavy. Yeah. So first off, how does Frank get past Dunbar because it doesn't make any sense if Dunbar wins the nomination and then Frank is just sort of like serving out a lame duck presidency the rest of the season. I'm, I'm curious about that too, because Dunbar seems to be doing really well. She won Iowa. She won New Hampshire. No, Frank won Iowa. Frank won Iowa. Okay. But yeah. she won, she won New Hampshire though. Yes. She's doing better in New Hampshire. So we'll see. I wonder if it's the kind of thing where does Frank have more support in the Southern States? Like, is it a little bit sort of like the current dynamic that we have between Hillary and Bernie Sanders, where Bernie Sanders is doing better in some of the more northern states, whereas uh, that Hillary goes into the south, maybe Underwood, that's really where, as somebody from South Carolina, that's where a lot of his, the base of his support is. So when we get to like South Carolina primary and stuff like that and Super Tuesday, maybe he's going to start picking up some steam there. Yeah, I mean, it. I think it would be really boring if it's just kind of like he wins some primaries and gets the nomination. That doesn't seem like that's the way they show would handle something like this. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it's whether it's like Dunbar gets killed or um, he releases some scandal about Dunbar. It's It's got to be something more exciting than just like he wins the South Carolina primary and he wins, you know, all the other primaries that they have, California and wherever else, Michigan, wherever else they do them. Yeah, do you think that House of Cards will do basically the same thing twice where Frank will be way behind in the delegate count to Dunbar and then rally back and then beat her and then also the same thing. Oh, Conway, he's the unbeatable guy and then he rallies back. So basically every Frank Underwood campaign is sort of like a Dylan Panthers football game. Yeah, I was going to say like a like a Rocky match or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it uh, comes out to the last second. Yeah, uh, it's a nail biter. Frank Underwood. Ah, oh, I did it again. I can't believe it. <laughs> Thank you. Aren't you a thought? cutie? <laughs> Aren't you a cutie? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that we're going to see we I, we've got to see something exciting with one of these two. The way that it ends, and um, yeah, we wouldn't be introducing Conway as the Republican front runner if it wasn't going to be Frank versus Conway. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, it'll be interesting too, because I'm, I'm kind of ready to jump past all of this primary stuff and just have it be the general election. Yeah. Um, cause I want to see, you know, who's Frank's running mate going to be, who's Conway's running mate going to be, um, and, and see some, see some adversary between these two new guys. Now, do you think that House of Cards potentially has any sort of primary fatigue right now? Again, this has been the longest political season of the, the entire history of mankind. I think that right after House of Cards, a couple of months later, I think around June, that was when a bunch of the candidates started to announce when they were going to be running for president. And then basically from around the time that Donald Trump got in the race, that all we've been talking about has been the 2016 presidential election on the news and everywhere. And we're in the current primary season. It's all over the news now. Do you think people care about wanting to see a fake primary happen on TV? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And maybe that's why I'm like, all right, let's just move past the primaries. We've been doing it forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and, you know, a, a, a lot of people are already past the primaries in House of Cards because they're seven, eight episodes ahead already. Yes. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I can't imagine the, what do you think? Like episode four of the primaries are over episode three. Well, typically these house of cards episodes from what we did in season three, each episode was taking place about over the course of a month. It was sort of like the, the entire season or so was about a year. They, Frank had said he wanted Claire to show up for the state of the union address. So I feel like that's probably going to be what we see in the next episode. So I think probably maybe two, three weeks, you know, I think that we will probably get to, 
around the time whatever president is being sworn in by the final episode of the season. Yeah, I, I think that that probably makes sense. And we'll probably get a whole episode that's around the convention. But wasn't the State of the Union? I mean, how does that work out time wise? Because the New Hampshire primary in this just happened. So I should be able to remember this. But wasn't that after the State of the Union? Okay, so in 2016, the State of the Union address was held on January 12th, Tuesday, January 12th, on the New Hampshire primary, I believe was held on Tuesday, February 9th. So again, this is some sort of alternate universe (laughs) where (laughs) the State of the Union is coming after the primaries. I don't know, maybe it was because that the president was busy caucusing in Iowa. He didn't want to take time away to do it. But for whatever reason, and usually Tuesday is the day that they have all these primaries. So that seems like a bad day to have the State of the Union address. But anyway, House of Cards, stupider things have happened in the House of Cards universe than switching the order of the State of the Union address and the primaries. Yeah, I mean, this is a world where, um, you know, people are removed from office for being drunk on a radio interview and being killed (laughs) and being impeached and having their wives leave the it all kinds of stuff. So it's not your, you know, yeah, it's not like politics could get as crazy as this show next year or anything <laughs> like that. Right. I also thought it was weird that Frank decided that he told uh, he was going to call Dunbar to concede in the New Hampshire primary. I mean, do politicians concede in primaries? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, because I felt like on the primaries I've been watching, they've been calling him with like. 15% of precincts reporting in. They're like, all right, yeah, Hillary has won this. And it's, you know, 15% of precincts reporting in. And this was 80 something percent that had reported. It. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll concede now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, I know you concede in an election, but I don't know. I've never heard of conceding a primary. Maybe that's the thing. All right. Uh, I want to talk about Lucas and the return of Lucas. We touched on it. We teased it at the top of the show. Lucas is back. Are you pumped up for the second coming of Lucas? Um, not particularly. Oh. I was surprised that that was the way that they chose to open the season. I was surprised too. I wonder, is Lucas the new Rachel? Yes, I think that is probably. Well, I also think I was wondering if Leanne could be the new Rachel for a little while when we had the uh, Leanne and Doug uh, altercation in her office. I was like, oh, no, I wrote down my notes. Oh, oh no, here comes another Doug obsession. Hey, we have beat up Doug pretty good, much like Rachel at the end of season two. <laughs> but we were pretty hard on Doug. At least I was all the way through season three. Doug was on point. Yeah, Doug was good. He, he kind of he, he looks kind of weird now, I feel like. I don't know if the actor <laughs> has lost weight. He, he kind of looks like a vampire. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> no, that's, good. That's Pete Rousseau. Okay. Uh, so for Doug, I thought he was really, really good. Uh, but what is the story going to be with Lucas? He's worried that Frank Underwood is coming after him. But what what is he going to be doing on an average day? He has basic cable. He has no internet. Is he going to just start snooping around again because he can't help it? Oh, I mean, definitely. They made a point to say no internet, which I feel like was, you know, Chekhov's uh, – no internet. I don't know what you would call that, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think we're going to see Lucas get himself into trouble pretty quickly here. Um, I, I mean, I don't think Lucas is making it out of the season alive to you. Uh, I think he might be, I think that he might be part of Frank's ultimate undoing here because there, he, there's no other purpose here for Lucas to exist other than to bring back the death of Zoe Barnes somehow into the narrative. Do people even remember Zoe Barnes? I mean, that was years ago. That was way back in season two. I mean, and for Lucas, I mean, shouldn't he be so punch drunk by what happened to him the first go around than to stick his nose back in there? Like he's got a second chance at this thing. Will he waste it on trying to be a muckraker once again? Yeah, you don't want to try to fix what you did your first time on your second chance. You got to got to really grasp that second chance and yeah. not screw that up change the narrative lucas yeah exactly could you understand could you follow what was going on in the jail with lucas and his cellmate in terms of who was lucas working for it seems as though lucas needed to get his roommate to talk about or his cellmate to start talking about that he didn't kill somebody yeah that it was the armenians and this guy had taken the fall for the armenians um 
the Armenian power sent him boy to, to jail. They said it's a real like making a murderer. Where it, back on Netflix, Lucas is trying to free an innocent man. Yes, synergy. Look at that <laughs> Netflix. Next, we're gonna see Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt show up, or see somebody locked locked underground or something. Yeah, this guy was a real Stephen Avery, and Lucas is able to like, ah, come on, tell me the truth. Come on, you didn't, you didn't really. Come on, just draw on this piece of paper where you killed the person. And yeah. uh, Lucas, maybe he has a career writing erotic fiction going on. He's really good with his words. <laughs> it's amazing. Were you distracted by? He has all his- the best words. Were you distracted by his cellmate, how he had all these tattoos on the back of his body, and then he turns around and he has nothing on the front of his body? Hmm. A lot of chest hair. Yeah, a lot of chest hair, but no tattoos, unless that was tattooed chest hair. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't yeah. really think about it too much. I that Because they showed just his back, and I'm like, man, this guy's got a lot of tattoos, and they were all the same. It was all like crucifixes all over his back. And then the front of him was... Like, just looked like a normal guy. I don't know. He's like the human mullet. He's business in the front, party in the back. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. All right. And then we also had a bit going on with Seth, and they're trying to make him an offer he can't refuse to go and work for Dunbar. Is Seth going to be another Judas bitch, as he called Jackie back in season three? Oh, man, Seth sold out very quickly and very easily. Mm -hmm. Well, he's Um, an opportunist. Don't ever forget how he ended up starting to work for Frank Underwood when he was the person who found the abortion doctor's diary. Yeah, I just I mean, it's that's pretty quick to jump off the ship when he's been with Frank for a while. And, um, you know, it's not like things are looking that dire just yet. Well, to be fair, I don't think he's so much jumping off the ship as he is sort of getting a life raft ready where they told him like, hey, if it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick. You still have your job. And if it does stick and Dunbar wins, then you'll be the chief of staff for Dunbar in two years. Yeah, I just wonder if he he gives up this information to Dunbar and then Frank ends up winning and somehow it gets back to Frank that Seth was the Seth was the leak, the one who leaked all this information. Certainly is a risk for Seth. I think there was a scene which really illustrated how Seth was feeling when Doug and Seth were on the phone with Frank and Frank told Seth, okay, oh, hop off now, Seth. Yeah, and and Seth was kind of shady. He's like, well, no, but don't you think, you know, and I don't know. And maybe it's because we know that he's he's now kind of playing both sides. But I was like, you're all of a sudden, Seth, being so obvious that you're, you're kind of shady. Yeah. Did you notice that... Uh, did you notice that the you know a theme in this episode was people listening to conversations? No, I did uh, not. So we had the guy listening to the conversation between Lucas and his cellmate, and they showed just the back of that bald guy's head with the headphones on. Um, and then we had we had Seth listening in to the conversation between Doug and Frank, and, and you're listening to the conversation between Doug and Frank, and don't even realize that Seth is also on the line until they show him. Um, so I wonder if that's a th- you know, something we might see throughout the season. Eavesdropping. Yeah, eavesdropping, listening in, and, um, you know, is somebody going to overhear something else that might undo Frank or undo Claire, or, or who knows? As for Claire, at the end of the episode, she starts to cry, and her mom asks, are you crying for me, or are you crying for you? What do you think she was crying for? I don't really, I think she was crying for her mother. I mean, that was what I I got from that, but, I mean, I don't know, maybe she just... She knows what she has to do, and it's it's hard, and she doesn't want to do it. I'm I, I'm not quite sure what what else she could have been crying for. I feel like probably she was crying for herself more, or I feel like that that line wouldn't be in there. Do you think she was crying that like she didn't know for three years that her mother was sick? I wonder if maybe her mom being sick is going to put a crimp into her plants. Oh, maybe. I wonder if, can she go out there and be campaigning all over Texas with a sick mom at home? How's that going to look where she wants to be all over District 30 campaigning every night and everybody has to believe that she's in Dallas or wherever she is in Texas to go and be with her sick mom? So she's she's crying because... She was so close to starting to really get off on her own and and start her own career. And now she has somebody else that she's going to have to care for. Maybe. But mom is saying like, hey, let's screw this guy. Put him in his place. Yeah, she she really empowered her daughter. It's pretty good. Zach, overall, 
for episode number one of season four. Thumbs up, thumbs down. What'd you think? I mean, I thought it was a thumbs up. I, it wasn't, you know, it didn't start with a bang or, or really, you know, anything that was super exciting for the first episode, but it did really set the table for at least where we're going to be for the next couple episodes. I don't know about the whole season, but um, I think, I think we, we got a taste of some things. We got to, got to meet Conway. We got to find out more about Claire's mother. Um, we've got this whole Texas situation going on. So I think we, we have an idea where we're going for the next couple episodes. Yeah, I agree. Nice appetizer for season four. A couple of notable absences, though. And again, we had the same thing last season where we didn't see some people and they showed up later on. Uh, notably, no Jackie Sharp, no Remy. Are they yeah. still on the show this season? And I'm avoiding IMDb, for the record. I don't want to go on there and look. Yeah, no, I, I I haven't been looking at anything or Wikipedia or anything like that, but um, I would think Jackie Sharp is. I feel like Remy might be on a different show, but hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what, but I feel like I've seen him in previews for something. We um, talked about this before. Why does this seem to happen so much on House of Cards? Maybe they don't pay the other actors that much money, and people just be like, okay, I'm gone. And that you know, maybe they pay Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright a lot of money, but maybe everybody else they kind of just pay them in peanuts. And it's sort of like, if you got a better offer, just go off and go get your better offer. Yeah. And I mean, and now we have Nev Campbell, who's probably getting a decent amount of money. And Ellen Burstyn is playing Claire's mother. So, you know, we've we've got some other stars. And RoboCop. And, yeah. And, and RoboCop, too. So, um, you know, we've we've got a lot of a lot of actors that are pretty high profile in the show. I mean, they shows I'm sure it got a huge buzz budget because it keeps doing better every season. So, okay. Um, but I mean, where else? I don't know where else Remy's story is really going to go. Okay, we did not see any of Yates. We did not see any of Kate. Do you think that we will see any bit of Kate the reporter or Yates in this season? I'd like to think that we will see Kate Baldwin. I don't think we'll see Yates. Um, but Kate Baldwin wasn't in the press briefing. No, and she you would was think not. That would, that would be the perfect spot for her. No, and I think she's Nick, out. She's out. She's the lead on Fear the Walking Dead. I think that she's not going to come back and play, you know, the 15th biggest character on House of Cards in Kate Baldwin. So I think that she's done. I think if we would have seen her, it would have been sort of like standing up at the press conference and asking a question. So I think Kate Baldwin is also done. Yeah. Well, you know, things change. All right. Anybody else? Petrov. Is Petrov back here in season four? Um, I, I like it when we stay domestic. So let's just let's just keep it in the U.S. He was such a big part of last season. Yeah, but so was Tusk was a huge part of season two. And mm-hmm. we didn't see him again. Yeah, so. but Tusk just went away. Russia didn't go away. Yeah, no, Russia's still there. Still there. Yeah. What about Donald Blythe? Do you think we'll see him this season? I think we have to see him at some point. Yeah, I like Donald Blythe. He's yeah. like a... um. I don't know. He's just like a goofy uncle. Yeah. We still have to figure out the vacancy on the Supreme Court. That was also a big thing and everything from the Jordan Valley from last season. So lots of hanging chads. No pun intended for the election year cycle of House of Cards. Um, and who would have, you know, House of Cards with the, the vacancy on the Supreme Court. And now we've got a vacancy on the Supreme Court in real life. So no show. Is really yeah. predicting how the future is going to go. Although I predicted nothing of what the 2016 general election was going to be like. So I don't know if they really are on top of the ball. But they were. They did know that there'd be an opening on the Supreme Court in 2016. <laughs> I mean, it maybe season five will get a Donald Trump character. You know, <laughs> call, call it out Frank Underwood saying he wasn't born in the United States. Maybe. Who knows? Did you, uh, do you feel like when Leanne grabbed the gun in her office, do you think that was a Chekhov's gun? Mm, it was such a little gun. Yeah, I mean, is there a rule about the size of Chekhov's gun? Oh, so you want to establish that she is she has a piece, right? So I think that that's interesting. You're right. Why show that she owns a firearm if we're not going to have that firearm go off on season four? I think that's a good point. I mean, that's a, that's usually a rule on TV. So, although if you're Nev Campbell, aren't you always worried about somebody sneaking up and killing you? Yeah, don't pick up the phone. Don't pick up the phone, <laughs> Leanne. Do you like political campaigns? <laughs> and don't question Chekhov about the size of his gun either. That's don't right. It. That's yeah. right. <laughs> okay. All right, Zach, the way that we're going to do feedback on these shows is that we want to get emails from you guys. If you guys get ahead 
If you cannot wait for us to come out with a new podcast and you have to keep watching, that's fine. Enjoy. But what we want you to do is send us your questions as you have them by sending us an email to hoc at postshowrecaps.com. That's hoc at postshowrecaps.com. What should people not do? Don't send us spoilers in emails that are not marked with the episode. Yes. Or um, don't tag us. Very important. Put the episode number, the chapter number in the subject so you don't ruin the whole season for us, please. Yeah, yeah I'm going to delete an email that doesn't have an episode number in it. We won't even read it. Yeah, it, it, like it's, it's going in my trash and you can subpoena the email records and you won't be able to find it because it's gone. Much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, also, don't tag me in a tweet if somebody <laughs> tweets something about the season. Right. Because I, I can't help but look, and then I'm going to not be able to fulfill my duties because I'm going to know what happens. Yes. So please just try to keep it to email, and we'll do our best to avoid spoilers so we can sort of speculate on what's going to happen and have a fun podcast here over the next couple of weeks. All right. So you ready to get into some of these emails? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Here's a question from Spencer. Spencer wants to know that Claire seems to have mommy issues, just like Frank clearly had daddy issues. Do you like the parallels? And where do you see the storyline going with Claire and her mom? Reconciliation between them before Claire's mom dies? Um, I can see them working together to really push Claire ahead of Frank and, and try to take down Frank. I think... I think Claire's mom is going to be the catalyst to Claire uh, get some power that she wants. It'll be interesting to see where this storyline goes, because I really can't see the through line of how this necessarily helps Claire in any way in her struggle for power or her struggle against Frank. And I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I know her mom has cancer. I'm not exactly sure what kind of cancer it is. You know, are we going to see her struggling with it throughout the season? Is it going to be something that's pretty quick? And um, I I don't know if you cast Ella Burstyn for only a short role on this show, though. Yeah, they do say at the press conference that she has lymphoma. So I'm not sure exactly if it is a terminal instance. I mean, they said that she has been dealing with three years and she's undergoing some new treatment. But I do feel like it probably would be a TV trope to have her not make it out of this season yeah it'll be it'll be an interesting uh it'll be very interesting to watch to see what happens and i didn't i didn't actually think about the frank having daddy issues claire having mommy issues parallel so good point all right do you want to uh give us a email that you have uh yeah i just have one okay um uh so brenna fitzpatrick wrote in and said i'm afraid lucas is poised to be this season's i'm afraid lucas is poised to be this season's rachel doug will find out he's out and spend the entire season trying to track him down to kill him why why would they do this again (laughs) well are they going to be trying to track him down they don't even know that he exists so how would they even find out about him is it going to be him trying to play is he the cat now is he trying to uncover some evidence to get frank and then is he trying to avoid being caught rather than he doesn't know that he's been caught and they're chasing him the whole time i mean what's he gonna do he doesn't have the internet like, I don't know. I, I just, he's going to fail. He seems like he's a guy who just fails at everything except telling erotic stories to his cellmate. Uh, he failed at trying to get with Zoe Barnes. He failed at trying to take down Frank. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just stick to writing, you know, write some fictional stories that mirror what he actually went through with Frank. And that way you can at least get it out. Yeah. Um, but, he should you work know, with Yates. Yeah, he could work with Gates or he could work at the rental car wash that he's going to be working at, that they got him a nice job. He can take public transportation with his expired license. Just go and, and spray some Under Armour on the cars and clean the tires. Like, just. just. <laughs> Is that an America Works job? Oh, it might be. I hope it's not, you know, like a. I don't know. I hope it's not a car wash that's owned by some gangsters who might who might recognize him from his uh, his time in prison. Is it the car wash that Walter White works at? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I hope it's not the guy with the eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, it'd be awful. That, that guy's guy. that guy's terrible. OK, yeah. here is a question from Kayla and Kayla writes in and says, with Lucas reappearing in the show, is it fair to suggest he could be the death of a big character we see this season because of what he knows about Peter and Zoe. Would 
Lucas satisfy your bloodthirst? Would he be the big death of season four? No, he's like a cockroach. They're going to try to kill him and just send him back to prison. Um, no, he can't be the he, he could be a death in this show, but he's not the death in this show. I'm loving your Lucas disdain so far this season. <laughs> I've just tried to I'm trying to recapture the way I felt about Lucas two years ago. Hopefully yeah. I'm being consistent. Uh, I'm pumped up for the return of Lucas. I'm interested to see where we go with him. Is it the beard and the wavy hair? Is that what you like about him? <laughs> I, I don't, don't hate his look. I think he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look quite as nerdy as he did in the uh, first and second season. So. Okay. All right. This is a question from Liz who writes in and says, I thought it was a good first episode. Please refresh my memory. How much does that writer know about Frank Underwood, the one released from prison? Does he suspect Frank killed Zoe? Does he suspect Frank had anything to do with the congressman who died in season one? I don't think we've seen this writer since very early in season two. Thanks for the podcast. All right. So if we're going to do the Lucas refresher, Zach, do you want to say, I know you hate him. Have you blocked out what everything he did? I mean, like I have a general sense. I think you might have a better sense than me on what he did. This is kind of the problem with the Netflix binge model is like, there's the characters like this, these subplots that they just kind of run together. And especially when you watch this that quickly, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, I mean, I do know that he, he knows about what happened with Zoe and he, he knows that Frank has something to do with it. And then he worked with Gavin um, to try to take down Frank and Gavin said, oh, yeah, you just got to go to the AT&T headquarters and and just get this information. Just plug this USB stick into the into the AT&T mainframe. Um, and it was a sting operation. And the FBI arrested Lucas um, thanks to Agent Green. That's right. Was the, the big, scary FBI agent. Right. And the key piece of evidence he needed was that he was trying to get the cell phone records of the texts that Zoe Barnes had between her and Frank Underwood that would have implicated that Frank Underwood was the person who was texting Zoe and told her to go down there. And so that's why he would have been able to prove that Frank Underwood killed her. Honestly, I don't remember if Zoe Barnes had told Lucas about the Pete Rousseau thing. Uh, I think she did. I'm pretty sure she had shared that with him. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this was this all happened in a pre-serial world, correct? Mm-hmm. I believe so, so. They, didn't, they didn't even know about uh, Adnan Saeed, you know, and, and the cell phone towers and, and triangulating all the cell phone stuff. And once again, House of Cards kind of, well, I mean, it already happened, but they were ahead of the the general public knowledge of it. Boy, now this whole world of cellmates uh, has me thinking like maybe we could write some sort of a story where Stephen Avery and Adnan end up being cellmates together. And then there's a guy listening into their conversation. Um, <laughs> maybe somebody works for NPR. Yeah. <laughs> my, okay. uh, my roommate's been watching Oz recently. And so when House of Cards, I mean, Oz is a great show. I highly recommend Oz if you've never watched it. Um, it's got, people that are in every show that you've ever watched like oh it's that guy and that guy but it all takes place in a prison and this first scene of the season i i felt like i was watching oz uh, especially with that opening scene with what the cellmate was doing in his bunk <laughs> andrew fair writes in and says hey robin zach how did you feel about not having any frank breaking the fourth wall in the premiere i'm hoping it will be back this season but they could be phasing it out like you discussed in the preview show if they want house of cards to continue without kevin spacey what do you think of that yeah i was gonna bring that up that i didn't notice any breaking the fourth wall and i wondered if that had happened or not um we also i don't think we've ever gotten a dream sequence before no um, so yeah, maybe that's just, maybe it's a change in style or, or, um, you know, it might be that they're trying to slowly phase us out of that so that then maybe the show could be told from somebody else's perspective. Okay. And finally, Johnny D. Silvera, the great Johnny D. Silvera said, Hey, Robin, Zach, I don't think we're out of the woods just yet on Frank and Claire's marital problems. Well, I don't think, I don't think anybody thought that Johnny, <laughs> <laughs> I, I still don't think it's going to last the whole season, but, um, <laughs> who knows? Okay. Do you two want to update your death predictions? How can Lucas make it out of this season alive? Okay, so what were our death predictions for season four? I had Meacham and you had Doug. Okay. Boy, Doug is looking pretty solid, I think. Other than, Unless Nev Campbell is going to uh, shoot him. I think he's looking pretty good uh, to survive season four right now. So that's probably a bad one. 
Uh, Meacham. I mean, I, I still think Meacham could take a bullet, uh, maybe from Leanne's gun. I, that gun's going off to somebody. I feel like Claire dying might be less suspicious than if Dunbar was to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there were Vegas odds for who dies, I mean, who's the like longest shot? Do you think Claire's a longer shot than Frank? I, I think Frank is probably the longest shot because the show's been renewed for season five. I think it would be pretty unlikely to have House of Cards go on another season and not have Kevin Spacey in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would be totally out on the show if that happened. Too. <laughs> okay. I think it would be pretty unlikely. I can't think of the show, especially the serialized drama, which is like there was no Sopranos without James Gandolfini. There was no Breaking Bad without Brian Cranston, no Mad Men without John Hamm. So I don't know how you could do this show losing its main lead. Yeah. No, I I mean, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing to think about, but it, it, it just doesn't become House of Cards anymore. Okay. All right. So. so we are going to jump into episode number 41 coming up after this uh, that we're going to uh, look to get that episode out by Sunday night or so. So if you are binging this all very, very quickly, uh, that's when our next episode is going to be. So we're excited about that. If you have questions about that episode or any other episode moving forward, HOC at postshowrecaps.com, HOC at postshowrecaps.com. Zach, do you have a hashtag for our first podcast of season four? Oh, man. I have two options for you. Yes. So I have hashtag White House Trash. <laughs> okay. And hashtag Human Mullet. <laughs> human Mullet seems more fun for the start of season four. Yeah. What, I, I, I'm curious if there's anything actually on hashtag White House Trash. I feel like there's probably been something posted to that. So. Yeah, I think there's probably, I could imagine a lot of negative Obama uh, tweets. I could imagine uh, maybe some litter tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll try to walk by the White House at some point this week and take a picture of some trash outside. Some litter. Use that hashtag. Okay, there you go. All right, so Zach, uh, great fun. I'm really looking forward to this. I had so much fun this week going back and listening to the season three podcast. I felt like we were pretty serious on this one, but I think we'll probably have a lot of fun along the way too. Yeah, I think this episode just didn't have a lot to kind of have fun with unless we want to do a a real deep dive into that cold open. No, no, let's not say we did. (laughs) That's what my nightmares are going to be about tonight. Oh, man. Well, (laughs) Godspeed. I will not go to sleep with my glasses on. Oh, I do that way too often. It's awful. Trust me, Zach, you want to take those glasses off when you go to sleep, unless you have a personal manservant there to make sure like I do. <laughs> I'll post a Craigslist ad for a personal manservant to remove my glasses. Yeah, well, don't expect today. Lucas to answer it. He has no internet. Oh, man, I'll send a telegram. <laughs> He's out of that game. All right. Have a great binge, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care. 